We're starting on a, uh, a series uh, through the book of 1 Thessalonians and 2 Thessalonians in the New Testament written by Paul, and it'll take us about 40 sermons. There's five chapters in the first book, uh, three in the second, eight chapters, about five sermons per chapter, so it'll be pretty much the year. And when we get done, you'll have some really detailed information about these two books and the principles that are in them and uh, understanding it, applying it, living it in your life. So keep the notes, uh, uh, take them this morning, save those. And if you don't make uh, the service, you can go online, listen to it, get everything. And so you'll have, a, have it all together when you get done. So let me read to you 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, uh, first of all. And I'll read it to you each week as we get started that chapter, then move to the second chapter. And uh, by the way, it would be cool if you uh, would read First and Second Thessalonians. You can read uh, eight chapters uh, probably in less than uh, ten minutes, probably about eight minutes, one minute per chapter. You could read it each week as we're going through it, and it would really enhance your understanding and uh, the blessing, uh, the instruction that you receive each week when I teach on it if you've been reading it regularly. I'm memorizing the two books and, uh, and so as I review it and think about it through the course of the week, it really, really helps. So let me read to you chapter 1, 10 verses. Paul and Silvanus and Timothy to the church of the Thessalonians in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace to you and peace. We give thanks to God always for all of you, making mention of you in our prayers, constantly bearing in mind your work of faith, your labor of love and steadfastness of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ in the presence of our God and Father. Knowing, brethren, beloved by God, his choice of you. For our gospel did not come to you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and with full conviction. Just as you know what kind of men we proved to be among you for your sake. You also became imitators of us and of the Lord, having received the word in much tribulation with the joy of the Holy Spirit, so that you became an example to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. For the word of the Lord has sounded forth from you not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but also in every place your faith toward God has gone forth, so that we have no need to say anything. They themselves report about us what kind of reception we had with you and how you turned to God from idols to serve a living and true God and to wait for his Son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, that is Jesus, who rescues us from the wrath to come. So this morning we're going to look at one word in that chapter. That's the word Paul. Paul wrote 1 Thessalonians, he wrote 2 Thessalonians, and so we want to just look at his life and who he is and what this means. So if you have your notes, number one, the Bible is the inspired, inerrant Word of God. The Bible is the inspired, inerrant Word of God written by men, but God spoke through them, inspired them, they gave uh, to people in written form the Word of God, and Paul did that. 2 Timothy 3.16, all Scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness. 2 Samuel, this is David, King David speaking, the Spirit of the Lord spoke by me. His Word was on my tongue. 2 Peter 1, so we have the prophetic Word made more sure, to which you do well to pay attention as to a lamp shining in a dark place. Until the day dawns and the morning star arises in your hearts. But now, but know this first of all that no prophecy of Scripture is a matter of one's own interpretation, for no prophecy was ever made by an act of human will. But men moved by the Holy Spirit spoke from God. 
Men moved by the Holy Spirit spoke from God. Number two, the Bible reveals the will of God, the rules of life, the mind of God, the attributes and nature of God. Everything that we need to live life successfully, to be blessed and used by God, He has put in His Word. Years ago, <clears throat> there was a tipping point in our marriage. Uh, before then wasn't real good, after then was awesome. And it was a single event. And that was when I wrote out seven commitments to my wife and gave them to her and then repeated them over and over and over again until they became part of my life and our marriage. Now, one of the seven was major important, and that was, uh, I will talk to you anytime you want for as long as you like, and I will never, ever do this. That meant land the plane or this, which meant just give me the bottom line. And I will pay sincere attention to your words, listening carefully to everything you say. I repeated that commitment over and over and over and over again. I will talk to you anytime you want, for as long as you like, paying sincere attention to your words. Do you know why that made such a huge difference? Because relationship is based on communication. Relationship is based on communication. The more communication that you have, the more intimate it is, the closer the relationship grows. God is a God who communicates. He's a God who speaks. And when we have a relationship with God, we must communicate with Him, and He has done that through His Word. The Bible is living. It's active. Uh, it's powerful. It's inspired. It's the Word of God. Psalm 19.7, the law of the Lord is perfect, restoring the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true. They are righteous altogether. They are more desirable than gold, yes, than much fine gold, sweeter also than honey, and the drippings of the honeycomb. Moreover, by them your servant is warned that in keeping them there is great reward. That's the word of God. Again, in Psalms 119, Oh, how I love your law. It is my meditation all the day. Your commandments make me wiser than my enemies. They are ever mine. I have more insight than all my teachers. For your testimonies are my meditation. I understand more than the aged. Because I have observed your precepts, I have restrained my feet from every evil way, that I may keep your word. I have not turned aside from your ordinances, for you yourself have taught me. How sweet are your words to my taste, yes, sweeter than honey to my mouth. From your precepts I get understanding, therefore I hate every false way. And so the Bible, the Word of God, is God's mind, it's His truth, it's His rules, and by reading them and knowing them and putting them into practice, we become successful, we become blessed, we have good marriages, we raise good kids. Every area of our life is changed and enhanced because of the power of the Word of God that He's given us. Number three, some parts of the Bible are more relevant to our life than others. Some parts of the Bible are more relevant to our life than others. And uh, it's reading it, you can kind of see which parts are. Deuteronomy. Now, this is a really powerful passage for parents. Uh, if any man has a stubborn and rebellious son who will not obey his father or his mother, and when they chastise him, he will not even listen to them, his father and mother shall seize him, bring him out to the elders of his city, the gateway of his hometown. They shall say to the elders of his city, This son of ours is stubborn and rebellious. He will not obey us. He is a glutton and a drunkard. 
Then all the men of his city shall stone him to death. So you shall remove the evil from your midst, and all Israel will hear it and fear. Now, do you know if you, you had a kid that was kind of messing up a little bit, you just put him in the car, take him for a drive. You say, you see that pile of rocks over there? That's Joey. He lipped off to his dad. That could be you. Take another drive. You see that pile of rocks over there? That's Susie. Yeah, she got in late from her date. That could be you. I mean, how much easier would parenting be if we still did it that way, huh? But we don't. Uh, we don't. It's still in the Bible. What do you learn from it? Well, you learn that God doesn't like rudeness. He doesn't really appreciate it when we lip off to our parents. And so the principles there, uh, we just uh, have changed methods. God has. You read the Word, there's some sections that basically apply. Leviticus. Somebody said, do you... You know, I have a little trouble with Leviticus. I said, yeah, I do too. I speed read it. Uh, you know, you just read through it. Here's, here's an example. He shall slay the young bull before the Lord and Aaron's sons, and the priest shall offer up the blood and sprinkle the blood around on the altar that is on the doorway of the tent of meeting. Well, books like that. Somebody said, well, why should I read it? Well, because when you read it, you will understand from God's perspective how much sin, he hates sin. And then you'll understand the big deal about it and that Jesus, the whole book of Leviticus is taken care of because of what he did. Read the book of Leviticus. You'll appreciate Jesus' death on the cross and your salvation given to you as a free gift because of what he did. We don't have to do that stuff anymore. But when you read it, you understand God's heart. You understand what he thinks of sin and you understand the whole extent of what Jesus did. But there's not what you might call application directly to our life there in the book. Uh, number four, the epistles of Paul to the churches are a part of the Bible that is very, very applicable to us today. Now, all the New Testament under the New Covenant, the words of Jesus, but Paul wrote to the church. He was the apostle to the Gentiles. And so what he writes is most applicable to us. I mean, it's like we were there as you read what he wrote and as you listen to the things that he teaches us to do First uh, Thessalonians 1, 1 Paul and Silvanus and Timothy to the church. To the church, we're a church. To the church, to the Thessalonians. 1 Corinthians 1, 2. To the church of God, which is at Corinth. A number of years ago, I, uh, I read through Romans and First and Second Corinthians and Galatians and Ephesians and Philippians, all the letters to the churches and everything I read that said do this don't do this I wrote it down and then when I got all done I took and combined all the common ones and then I had all the rules the principles the guidelines for living life uh, written by the apostles to the church I also did that with the words of Jesus everything that was a command um, and so I could see what is that that's most applicable to us today as we read that in regards to our marriage, raising our kids, managing our time, spending our money, how we talk, how we think. There's guidelines for all of that. And so we're going to go through 1 Thessalonians and 2 Thessalonians, two letters written to the church of the Thessalonians. Uh, Greek church applies to us very, very, very closely. Number five, the authors of the various books of the Bible who wrote the rules of God were authenticated by amazing power from God. So let's suppose I write a book. 
And I say, to the church of Jefferson. And I write it out, verse 1, verse 2, verse 3. And I got five chapters in it. And I get it all done. And I give it to you. And I say, okay, now this is the inspired and errant word of God. Some of you might say, really? So, how would you know? Paul writes, how do you know? Peter writes, how do you know? Maybe it's just another guy giving his opinion. How do you know it's the inspired, inerrant Word of God? Numbers chapter 20, verse 11, Moses lifted up his hand and struck the rock twice with his rod. Water came forth abundantly. The congregation and their beasts drank. How many people can do that? Uh, Numbers 16, now, I wish I could do this. I'll read it to you. Moses said, By this you shall know that the Lord has sent me to do all these things. You're going to know I am God's man, for this is not my doing. If these men die the death of all men, or if they suffer the fate of all men, then the Lord has not sent me. These guys basically rebelling, rebelling against Moses and said, Moses, you're, you're, we don't have to follow you. Who are you anyway? But if the Lord brings about an entirely new thing and the ground opens its mouth and swallows them up with all that is theirs and they descend alive into Sheol, then you will understand that these men have spurned the Lord. As he finished speaking all these words, the ground that was under them split open, the earth opened its mouth and swallowed them up alive. Now, how many times would I need to do that? And you all would say, yes, Pastor D. Whatever you say, Pastor D., if it happened only once, but I would abuse it. So God didn't give me that power. Moses, on the other hand, he had that power, and God was authenticating at the first five books of the Bible Moses wrote. And all the Jews, when they read it, they said, that's the Word of God, the Word, the inspired and errant Word of God written by Moses, authenticated by his life and the power that God gave him. Acts 5.15, to such an extent that even... They even carried the sick out into the streets and laid them on cots and pallets so that when Peter came by, his shadow would fall on them and they'd get healed. Now, we pray for sick people. You'll put Some of you will put it in the prayer letter and we'll pray for people that have cancer and various things. But, I mean, how many people do you know that when he walks along and his shadow falls on a sick person, they're fixed. God did that for Peter Book of 1 Peter, book of 2 Peter in the New Testament. You read those books, it's the inspired and errant word of God. How do you know? Well, because God authenticated Peter by the power and authority that everybody saw in his life. Acts 19.11, God was performing extraordinary miracles by the hands of Paul so that handkerchiefs and aprons were even carried from his body to the sick and the diseases left them and the evil spirits went out. And so when men gathered together and they said, okay, let's form the canon of the New Testament, that is, what books are in and what books are out. Paul wrote it, is in. Peter wrote it, it was in. John wrote it, it was in. I wrote it, eh, out. See, they authenticated, God did, those who were given his word. And so when they said, which books are the inspired and errant, you read the Bible now, you pick it up, and you read the books that are in there. Those authors were authenticated by God, uh, by things that no one could do unless God was blessing and working in their life. Number six, many of those who wrote books of the Bible heard the words directly from God. They had an encounter with God that was like, there's God, and he's talking. And they heard him directly, and they wrote him down. A number of years ago, my favorite 
preacher is Bill Hybels. He's a pastor of a huge church in Chicago, and I've listened to his sermons for years, and I got an email that said that he was going to be in Portland. He lives in Chicago, but uh, he was going to be in Portland, and he was going to speak for one hour at a particular motel. There was room for 300 people, free. And so I, I got up there six hours early. I knew it was going to fill up. And when I walked into the motel in the room, the conference room where he was going to be speaking, I was like the first one there. And so I walked up and I sat right down here in the front row. And he came out after, uh, you know, six hours and the room had filled up. A lot of people turned away. But he spoke for an hour and I was in the front row. And he talked about how important it was for pastors to pray for every person in their church faithfully, regularly. And you wouldn't do that if you didn't have a system, have a book, have a journal. And that event, one hour, I sit there and looked at him in the eye, listened to him speak, wrote it down, changed my life. I pray for all of you every week. Every week I pray for all of you. I've got an app on my phone. I have my iPad. i got most of your pictures in there. I put stuff in there, and I go scroll through that and pray every week. That was because I sat there in the front row and listened to him teach, and it impacted my life. Now, that's Bill Hybels. He's just a guy. But how would it be to listen to God? Be in the front row, and you heard his words. Exodus 24, Moses wrote down all the words of the Lord. He wrote down all the words of the Lord. That's because he heard him speak. God talked to him directly. Exodus 24, 12, the Lord said to Moses, spoke to Moses, come up to this mountain and remain here. I'll give you the stone tablets with the law and the commandment which I've written for their instruction. God wrote some of it down for him. Numbers 12, 7, not so with my servant Moses. He is a... He is faithful in all my household. With him I speak mouth to mouth, even openly and not in dark sayings. He beholds the form of the Lord. And so Moses was, I mean, he just did amazing things. And he got to listen to God face to face, hear his words, write it down. Read the book of Genesis and you're reading the words of God given to him. Uh, Each of those first five books. Ezekiel. Now, above the expanse that was over their heads, there was something resembling a throne like lapis lazuli in appearance. And on that which resembled a throne, high up was a figure with the appearance of a man. Then I noticed from the appearance of his loins and upward something like glowing metal that looked like fire all around within it. And from the appearance of his loins and downward, I saw something like fire, and there was a radiance around him. As the appearance of the rainbow and the clouds on a rainy day, so was the appearance of the surrounding radiance. Such was the appearance of the likeness of the glory of the Lord. And when I saw it, I fell on my face and heard a voice speaking. What did Ezekiel do? He wrote it down. And we have the book of Ezekiel from someone that sat there on the front row and listened to God speak and and give principles. Isaiah, in the year of King Uzziah's death, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, lofty and exalted with a train of his robe filling the temple. Isaiah got to listen to God give him a sermon, as it were, and he wrote it down. You can read it in the book of Isaiah. Daniel, I kept looking until thrones were set up, and the Ancient of Days took his seat. His vesture was like white snow, the hair of his head like pure wool. His throne was ablaze with flames. Its wheels were a burning fire. You ever wish you could do that? That had been cool, but I think I'm going to wait till I get to heaven. But these guys got to go and come back. And when they were there, they heard the, God, the Word of God They heard God speak, and they wrote it down, and you can read about it. Pick up the Bible and read it. Revelations 4, the Apostle John, After these things I looked, and behold, a door standing open in heaven. The first voice which I had heard, like the sound of a trumpet speaking with me, said, Come up here. I'll show you what must take place after these things. Immediately I was in the Spirit, and behold, a throne was standing in heaven, one sitting on the throne, and 
John saw and heard amazing things and wrote it all out in the book of Revelation. Number seven, the apostle Paul was picked by God. God sovereignly chose Paul and, and had incredible encounters with God, had supernatural power from God, and it, what he wrote was considered to be the very word of God. So he just wasn't the smart guy. He wasn't just a guy that decided to plant churches and write letters to the churches. He had supernatural, uh, divinely appointed encounters with God, and God spoke to him and gave him his word. His salvation at midnight, he was headed to Damascus to arrest Christians. He hated Christians. And he was killing them, arresting them, and he was on his way with a uh, with a permission slip, as it were, to arrest anybody that was a believer in the city of Damascus. And on the way, he said, I saw, the way, I saw on the way a light from heaven, a brighter than the sun, shining all around me and those who were journeying with me. And when we had fallen to the ground, I heard a voice saying to me in the Hebrew dialect, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? It's hard for you to kick against the goads. And I said, who are you, Lord? The Lord said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. Get up, stand on your feet. For this purpose I have appeared to you, to appoint you a minister and a witness, not only to the things which you have seen, but also to the things in which I will appear to you. You know, I've thought, you know, God, there's a whole bunch of people in Jefferson and Albany and Salem and Lebanon and Sio and Corvallis all around that just, they don't seem to get it. If you would do that to them, just as they're on their way to work, just boom, flatten them. Have them hear a voice and a bright light and say, I'm Jesus, you dummy. Would they? I bet they'd believe right there. I don't know why he did it for Paul, though, because Paul was his chosen man. 2 Corinthians 12, I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago, whether in the body I do not know or out of the body I do not know, God knows. Such a man was caught up to the third heaven. Third heaven, that's where God lives. That's where his throne is. Paul got to go to heaven and listen to God. I'd like to do that. I mean, what a difference do you think that would make in my sermons? I don't know. I'd probably stay there. Uh, but Paul, he got to go and come back. Galatians, I would have you know, brethren, that the gospel which was preached by me is not according to man. I neither received it from man nor was I taught it. I received it through a revelation of Jesus Christ. So Paul said, I didn't get what I wrote from you, from people, from school. I got it right straight from Jesus. Galatians 1 again, but when God who had set me apart even from my mother's womb called me through his grace, he was pleased to reveal his son in me so that I might preach him among the Gentiles. He was the apostle to the Gentiles. I did not immediately consult with flesh and blood, nor did I go to Jerusalem to those who were apostles. I went away to Arabia, to the desert, three years, all by himself out in the desert, and God, while he was there, took him through seminary, right directly from Jesus. Ephesians 3, for this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, for the sake of you Gentiles, if indeed you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace which was given to me for you, that by revelation it was made known to me the mystery, that is, previously unrevealed truth, as I wrote before in brief, by referring to this, when you read, you can understand my insight into the mystery of Christ. So we're going to look at 1 Thessalonians. It's the inspired and errant word of God written by Paul to the church of Thessalonica and second as well. Number eight, those who seek God and his will in the word are, and are committed to obeying it will understand it. 
So regularly, someone will say, Pastor D, you know, I don't know if I really have faith that the Bible is the inspired, inerrant Word of God. I'd like to. So the answer is easy. It comes from God. In other words, He works and He works on your heart and He's the one who gives you faith and makes your faith strong on the inside so it all makes sense. Who will He do that for? He will do it for the individual who said, Jesus, you are Lord of my life and whatever you want me to do, I will do. I don't care how difficult or how hard it is. I am committed to obeying, following, serving, being submissive to you. The one who will do that will know the truth. The one who will do that will know whether it's from God or whether it isn't. And so every morning, that's the first thing I do when I wake up. I say, today, Lord Jesus, you are Lord, Master, King of my life. I will obey you. I will serve you. I'll follow you. I'll do whatever you ask, no matter how difficult or how hard it is. When I read the Bible, I begin with that commitment. What you show me in your word, Lord, I'll do. And by doing that, then he teaches me and I grow in my faith that this is indeed the Word of God. Proverbs 28.5, evil men do not understand justice. Those who seek the Lord understand all things. Psalms 25.14, the secret of the Lord is for those who fear Him, and He will make them know His covenant, His covenant, His Word. Jesus in John 17 said, if anyone is willing to do His will, willing, committed to doing His will, He will know the teaching. He will know whether it is of God or whether it isn't. He'll know if he's willing to obey and follow. 1 Corinthians 2.14, A natural man does not accept the things of the Spirit of God. They're foolishness to him. You ever have anybody say, Ah, that's stupid. They're foolishness to him. He can't understand it because they're spiritually appraised. The Holy Spirit in you has to teach you uh, what it says. Number nine, read the Bible every day. Listen to it taught often. So, faith. We all understand the word faith. It's a big word in the sense of what you might call the extreme of it, uh, the strength of it in, in your life. And there's people who will say, I believe in God. Makes zero difference in their life. There's people who say, I believe the Bible is the inspired and errant word of God. Do you really? I got on a scale this morning and I looked at the numbers. I do that every morning. And I'd like to see them go down. Pretty accurate measurement, my scale. And how much I weigh. So how do you know how much faith you have? Do you really truly believe the Bible is the inspired inerrant word of God, that it is your authority on how to live and how to uh, treat your wife and how to raise your kids, how to manage your time? Do you believe that? The answer is clear and whether you read it or not. So if it is the supernatural inspired inerrant word, very, very word, word of God to us on how to live life, we believe that with a strong faith. I mean, you can't not read it. But if it's like, ah, uh, and it's pretty hit and miss, your faith isn't that strong. Now, how do you get it stronger? Read it. The more you read it, the greater your faith will be. The faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Faithfully read the Bible every day. If you can't make it happen, get somebody to ask you uh, if you're doing it or not, hold you accountable, make a goal, make a commitment. You make the Bible a daily priority of your life. Psalms 1-2, but his delight is in the law of the Lord and in his law he meditates day and night, day and night, day and night. Uh, that means every day. 
He will be like a tree firmly planted by streams of water. It yields its fruit in its season. His leaf does not wither. Whatever he does, he prospers. Whatever he does, he prospers. Your marriage, raising your kids, every area of your life, he prospers because he does it the way God says to do it. Joshua 1.8, This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. You shall meditate on it day and night, day and night, day and night, every day, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. Then you will make your way prosperous, and then you'll have success. Why? It's not magic. It's just God's rules, it's God's principles, His guidelines. You do things the way God says to do them, and you'll succeed in your marriage and with your kids in every area of your life. It's the inspired and errant Word of God. The Bible is. And so I read it every day. And as I read it, I say, what is it that I need to learn about how to live life and how to talk and treat people and how to love? It's all here. The Bible is the inspired and errant Word of God, the very mind of Christ. And by reading it and living it, we're blessed by Him, used by Him, and we're successful at life. And that's what I want. And I believe with all of my heart that God has communicated to me His will through His Word. So I read it, I memorize it, I study it. We're going to go first through First Thessalonians and Second Thessalonians because it's the very Word of God written to a church. Of all the churches that are in the New Testament, there's 20 plus. The church of Thessalonica is like the best. They were a great church. And people say, uh, you, you pastor Jefferson? Yeah, I said, this is the greatest church in the world. But we can be way greater. And might as well learn from a great church. So that's what we're going to do uh, this next year. Read the Bible, learn, put it into practice, be blessed by God. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for creating us as an act of your will. We sit here this morning self-aware, thinking. We make choices. We set goals. We can do that because you've given us that power creating us in your image and in your likeness. We can choose to ignore you. We can choose to live life totally apart from you. We can choose to rebel against you. We can choose to say we don't even believe in you. You've given us that freedom. You want us to love you. You want us to serve you. And Lord, you've communicated to us through your word. You've granted us power through your spirit that's in us. We can have an amazing relationship with you, uh, but we have to choose to do that. I pray that we would. We would seek you, we would read your word, we'd put it into practice.